Well, Jesse, I'm super stoked to have you here um, on the show. First of all, uh, go Navy, you know. So. Need Army. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a, as one sailor to the other, it's it's always great to have uh, service members on. And so, thank you for your continued service. Uh, you're still in. You're doing reserve time, right? Yeah, I'm in the Navy reserves now. I've been in the reserves the last uh, five years. Uh, active duty prior to that, about seven years. So I, I learned a lot about being a leader um, as a young sailor. Now I was enlisted, you know, going all the way from boot camp. Um, and then as a corpsman served with the Marines, um, we were always ingrained into us that we are leaders, that we have either from the idea of field day to your section, whatever you're doing, you, you have leadership position. Um, you know, as an officer in, in the Navy, you know, I know you guys have great uh details and, and, and orders that you're that you're following along as well uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's the same for you because you went to the academy so i'm sure yeah. from, from day one of the academy uh leadership was being installed in you as well right yeah 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 yep. that's absolutely correct so the one thing i find interesting and i've been doing a lot of research and writing on this is i feel that navy leadership has re- and even though they probably don't use this terminology at least they didn't when i was in is really a uh, servant leader position that we're taking care of the people who are underneath us first. Uh, the idea of uh, leaders eat last, which we was really important to us um, serving with the Marines for sure. But we're always taking care of the junior members first, uh, making sure that they're okay. Um, is, is Do you believe that as well? Yeah, no, I think uh, service uh, or sorry, servant leadership is definitely very important for sure. I think as a leader, um, in order to um, be able to lead your people and take them from point A to point B, in order to go achieve whatever mission you're trying to achieve, whatever goals you have set during a mission, whatever it is, in order to be able to accomplish that, um, you got to have a very good understanding of your people. And And the only way to gain that understanding of your people is to be a servant leader. You are there to serve them. And, and, and when, when we say serve, it's not that the folks that are following you are the ones who are bossing you around or anything, but servant leadership is being able to uh, help them uh, get all the tools, uh, opportunities, knowledge, whatever it is. You are able to basically find ways to, to, to arm and equip them with everything they need necessary to be successful, right? And that's what you do as a leader. And that's how you serve your people and you lead them to, uh, uh, you lead them to places where you can accomplish whatever the goals are set for, for your days, your weeks, your years, your unit, wherever. Um, that's how you do it, by being able to arm and equip your people with all the necessary tools um, necessary to, uh, to achieve the goals. So um, you, have to, you have to serve them to do it. Absolutely. And you, you've Realistically, you know, looking at your history, you, you've you've been in some leadership roles for a long time. Remember, say even since a, a kid in high school, you know, playing playing sports, you know, um, and then getting into the Naval Academy and then play <clears throat> playing football at that level as well, uh, which is extremely. I tell you, it's it's almost like uh, twenty times right the way I explain it to to the athletes. It's twenty times harder every step that you go up, right? Yeah, it's it not is. like oh, a little bit harder. It's like they're, all those kids that are playing college football are faster, stronger, more time in, um, and it's just amazing to see the athlete, athleticism that they have um, and also the discipline that they have. So you have to be a disciplined person to be on that field. Um, what was it like playing that level of football? 
Yeah, uh, getting up to the uh, Division 1A football level uh, wasn't easy at all, right? I mean, everybody kind of takes the same steps, right? A lot of people play Little League football, then they play middle school football, high school football, then eventually they recruited to play D1A football. Um, each step of the way, each level I went up, I never played Little League. My first you know, um, opportunity to play football was in seventh grade. So it started off in seventh grade when I was in middle school. You know, I had a little bit of speed. You know, I was uh, I was fast. I was just naturally gifted in that area. Um, couldn't do anything else very well. I couldn't. I didn't know football very well. I wasn't uh, very talented in catching footballs or anything like that. My hands were horrible. Uh, that's how it was, right? But I knew that I, when I was going to go up to the next level, which was eighth grade, you know, I need to be a little bit better. So I worked on those skills, try to get a little bit better. Going into ninth grade, I knew I had to be a lot better, right? Because once I got to ninth grade, it seemed that even though. You know, the kids were, you know, when I was in eighth grade watching the ninth graders, even though those kids were only a year older than me, they seemed just a lot bigger and a lot faster for whatever reason. And, and you know, for kids going from really seventh grade all the way to college, you know, we all grow so much every single year. I mean, there's these massive jumps. Once you get to the NFL, right, when you're 23, 24 in the NFL, that compared to when you're 33 in the NFL, you're not really gaining much size or anything like that. You're just the, throughout those years is really just gaining knowledge and, and right. wisdom. Right. But um, in, in middle, middle school and high school and, and college, I mean, you're, you're getting a lot bigger and a lot faster every single year. And it is exponentially getting tougher and tougher to compete with people um, at each level. So once I got to middle or once I got to high school in ninth grade, you know, people were bigger. They were stronger. They were faster. Once you got up to 10th grade and I was playing JV football, once again, people got bigger and stronger and faster. Then once you stepped into the varsity level, all of a sudden now you're competing against people who weren't even necessarily in your grade anymore. I mean, you get up to varsity. When I got up to varsity, it was at the end of my sophomore year. I mean, everybody was a junior or a senior, right? So yeah. they were a year or two older than me. And I was actually a younger person um, in my grade. So everyone was like, you know, two, maybe even three years older than me. So those are the people we're competing against. And it was hard. It was difficult. And I thought, you know, okay, once I got to the top level of high school, senior year, you know, playing varsity, you're playing against a lot of great teams, going to playoffs. I was like, okay, stepping up to college, you know, everyone should be somewhat similar. Well, now when you step up to college, everybody is anywhere from one to five or six years older than you. <laughs> so now it is, there's a huge, massive jump, but you have to be able to compete immediately for me to be able to step on the field during my freshman year in college at the United States Naval Academy, my mindset had to get to a place where, hey, I was no longer this teenager. I was no longer this kid who was in high school. You know, I was now competing against grown men. I mean, people who legally could buy a drink at a bar, right? Like I was competing against grown men, no children anymore. So uh, everything had to change from my mindset. I had to mentally know the place a lot better, right? It's not about being the fastest or the strongest in college. It's about having the, the, the mental wherewithal to be able to understand the place the playbooks and how they um how you apply them to the teams that you're playing against and then you know obviously you still had to be strong you still had to be fast everybody ran full speed the entire time nobody ever slacked off right people weren't just taking off on plays right every single play everybody was going as hard as possible because some of these people were playing to get a job at the next level right, right. So everybody was going really hard so that's what you had to compete against every single day i mean you really had to pack your lunch or else it was going to get packed for you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so, so taking the athleticism and the drive um how did you get into into nascar you know like that's like a that's an interest that has to be an interesting um transition 
Yeah. So, um, you know, football was my thing growing up from middle school to high school to college. I was playing football. It was my biggest thing. I had this big goal and dream to go off to college and play college football. But uh, while doing that, I also had this little side thing where I just loved cars and I loved racing. So I'd always watch it whenever I got a chance. I was always into cars. I always thought they were cool. I was in, I was into all the different car movies that came out in the 2000s, like uh, Fast and Furious and some of the other movies, Gone in 60 Seconds, all those movies. I really liked those a lot. I watched any shows that had to do with cars. I just loved cars, but never really thought I'd ever get into racing. I just thought, hey, maybe when I get some money, you know, at some point, you know, I'll modify my car. At that time, my first car was a V6 Ford Mustang. It was a 1995 uh, Forest Green Ford Mustang. It was actually a cool looking car. Um, <laughs> had that. Did some minor, minor uh, modifications to it. I think I got some wheels for it and um, uh, did a couple of little things, but like nothing too crazy. Uh, exhaust system maybe and, and, and flow masters and that's about it. Like nothing wild, right? Um, and then from there, uh, once I got to college, I had bought a Chrysler 300 and it was oh, still yeah. a V6, right? It wasn't very fast, but I was still trying to modify it, do minor things to it. I actually took it to the drag strip, ran it a couple times at a drag strip. That was fun. And then when I graduated from the academy, football was over for me, right? I graduated. I was going off to the fleet to become a U.S. Naval officer. And uh, I was looking for the next fun thing to do because, you know, I'd do my Navy job during the week. And then on the weekends that I had off, what was that next thing I was going to do? So that's when I was like, hey, I got a little bit of money now. Um, I'm getting paid as an officer, so I can actually go buy a vehicle I really, really want. So I went and bought a Dodge Challenger. And it was a 2008 Dodge Challenger SRT8. Uh, it had made 400 and something horsepower. I slowly started modifying it more and more and more over the years. Eventually got to like over like 900 plus horsepower. It was an oh. absolute animal. Yeah. Um, and I would take it to drag strips. I would take it to different events, quarter mile events, half mile events, one mile events. I was breaking records with that car, you know, because a lot of people hadn't, you know, raced very seriously with it at drag strips and other events. So I was like the first to kind of do a lot of different things. And I gained a little bit of popularity on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube because of it. And as I was doing that, um, I, I finally got to a point where I was like, I love going fast in a straight line, but I want to also learn how to go fast around corners. So I bought a C6 Z06 Corvette and um, I would take that. To, I used to take that to road course tracks and do open track days. And I learned how to go fast around corners. And after a few years of that, um, finally, one day I was sitting in my room and I was like, man, I really like you know this car thing. I really love doing these track days. Um, I love drag racing. I love road course tracks. I love all that stuff, you know, but I was thinking, what's the next step? Where can I go? And that's when I made this crazy decision that I wanted to go after professional racing and uh, just wrote it on my whiteboard, put it on my wall. And from there, I decided to start putting action towards it every single day. I had to do research to figure out, OK, what are the different racing series out there? how to get into these racing series. What does it take? What are the resources necessary? Who do I need to know? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? I started learning all these different things. I bought a racing simulator, put it in my room and would train on there each day. Um, I was networking. I was going on the internet, going on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, reaching out to people every day to try to learn more about racing and different avenues. Eventually, um, the NASCAR route was what kind of opened up for me. Um, I met people in that lane. They introduced me to certain people. Um, I got the opportunity to go test a late model stock car back in 2014. Um, and that went well. After that, I started racing in that same uh, uh, NASCAR late model stock car um, in 2015. And then from there, I started working my way up the ranks of NASCAR. 
and throughout the years have been gaining more sponsorship, um, you know, learning how to market better um, and just putting all that together. And also I started my own businesses too on the side that make some extra money to help pay for the racing. Yeah. Putting that all together is what allowed me to get to the point where I'm now basically racing in the NASCAR Xfinity series and on my own team with Emmett Smith. So, first of all, let's let's talk about some of the things you said because you had some great pointers there. And I want people to really understand. So that became a goal for you. You wrote it down and you said, this is what I'm going to do. And you created a plan to fulfill that goal. So it wasn't just like a dream. It was something that you really wanted to do. And you said, I want to be a race car driver and found out all the steps it took to be there, put time, energy, and effort into it. So I think that's critical for people to understand that. Being a leader is also knowing how to lead yourself a little bit as well. Do you agree? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, anytime you have a big goal and dream, right, there's there's definitely some steps you got to take to be able to achieve it. Right. Initially, you got to have the vision. You got to have this God given vision in your mind, seeing yourself accomplish something um, or becoming someone or whatever it is. You have to clearly see it in your mind. It has to be this natural vision that just comes to you every single day. You just continue to see yourself accomplish whatever it is. And then after you have that vision, you have to insanely and obsessively believe in it and know that no matter what, you're going to make it happen. You're willing to give, give, give it all. You're willing to risk it all to make it happen. And then once you get yourself into that kind of mindset from there, you have to actually put action towards the goal every single day, whether it's connecting with people, networking, um, finding the resources, developing the resources, learning, um, taking classes, um, uh, going to events, uh, whatever it is, whatever you got to do to get closer to the goal, you put that action towards it every single day. And as you're putting action towards it, you will run into hurdles. You will run into speed bumps. You will, will run into walls. Some yeah. of those walls are short. Some of those walls are really, really tall. Some of them are really thick too. Um, you never know what kind of wall you're going to run into, but whatever that wall is, it doesn't mean that your journey is done. Um, there's some way to get around that wall, whether you go around it, um, left, right, um, you dig underneath and you get underneath it. A wall doesn't go all the way to the core of the earth. I mean, at some point it stops. You can dig underneath it right. or you find a way to climb it. Or if you can't figure out any of that stuff, you find a way to just bust right through it. And that's what you have to do. And as you're trying to do all that stuff, it'll get hard. It'll get tough. It'll be dark. There'll be a lot of tough days. Um, you'll, you'll have bad things happen, bad circumstances, bad luck, all that stuff. Some people might try to sabotage your journey. Some people might try to hurt you throughout the journey. Right. Some people might not want you to see it through the whole way because they're jealous, whatever it is, um, all this stuff will happen. But just because any of that bad stuff happens does not mean that it's a sign that you should stop. You know, as if you had a, a natural incoming vision, seeing yourself accomplish whatever, that means that the deal is already done in the future. It is already completed in the future. All you have to do is push forward and stay strong enough, long enough, the entire journey. And that's how you get to the end. That's absolutely, that's, that is motivating right there. I appreciate that. And those that are listening, I hope you take words to that because that is great advice. That needs to be written down somewhere for sure. Um, now you talk about having a NASCAR or, or a race car team, right? And a team is, it's really what it is. It's not an individual sport. Mm -hmm. So you had to develop a team. Talk about that process. And like, I mean, even down to the guy who's changing the tires, you all have to work in sync. I mean, yeah. maybe they're even more important than you think they are, but then, you know, then a lay person thinks they are. Talk about that process, how you choose them and what it is to work with that highly, because it's a highly dynamic, motivated team, right? Yeah. Um, you know, choosing the right people on the team, um, you know, it takes 
uh, knowing them, understanding them. It's that whole servant leadership thing that we talked about, right? You got to be a person who seeks to understand rather than just lead people and just push them a certain way. Um, you know, uh, understanding them, understanding what their capabilities are, what their limitations are, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and putting them in a position to be the most successful they can be, right? You do that, then all of a sudden you'll have a successful team. Um, you don't push them into, uh, you don't push the square into a circle peg, right? You just, you, you find where they're going to have the most success and you put them in that position and that's how the team's going to be able to push forward and accomplish the mission. So that's what we do when we're picking out, you know, different folks that we want on the team, right? Whether it's pit crew folks, uh, road crew, you know, people in the shop, um, you name it, uh, drivers, you name it, all that stuff. We're just trying to figure out a way where, hey, for the people we are able to find, people who are available, how can we make something work where they are put in a position to be the most successful possible? Um, and that's what we do. And yeah, on the team, I mean, it, it is, um, it's like a, it's like a traveling circus, but everybody has to work together very, very, um, Everybody has to work together well, right? It has to be a very well-oiled machine because this machine has to move no matter what. If one part breaks, right, the whole machine has to continue to go. The whole system has to go. And the only way you can have a good system is by having a system that doesn't fail because of just one link in the chain, right? No matter what, it continues to move forward. So being able to put that in place is it's hard. It's not easy. But um, this year, we were able to finally figure that out, get it to work right. And no matter what happened throughout the year, we were able to continue to push forward and um, accomplish all our goals. So I watched the documentary, uh, I think it was 30 or 30 on ESPN, I believe. And it was about pit crews specifically and like how they actually are looking at college athletes, football players, track guys, things like that um, to do uh, the pit crew because of their athleticism and their ability to do things fast. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I know that the the average time of I forget what the seconds are now, but they saw a comparison between like the nineteen sixties uh, pit crew and a pit crew today. Like nineteen sixties, they're like, oh, they're in in a minute. You know that that's you know now they're like in seconds. Yeah. Um, what's it like to practice with a team like that? That's so high performing like that that you that you as a driver have to have it down. The, the the guys changing the tires and fueling and doing everything else that happens in that pit. I don't even know what happens at a pit stop, to be honest with you. Um, it has to be done quickly. I know it's more than just what I just said. Um, what's that like? Do you practice that like on a regular basis? or? Yeah, so the pit crews, they practice each week. Um, and, yeah, it is definitely a, a choreographed uh, just masterpiece, right? Just watching those guys do their thing. I mean, they're, they're not just jumping over the wall and just going random places and trying to take off tires put on tires, run the other way. Hey, give me a tire. You know, like it is, everything is choreographed every single step from once they come off the wall, running to where they got to go, you know, hitting the, uh, hitting the pit gun um, on each lug nut in the, in the, in the, in the right order and all that stuff. Everything is just this whole choreographed deal. And um, that's how they're able to go so fast that everyone knows what the next move is because everyone knows what everybody's moves are. And uh, when you watch those guys do their thing, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Um, a really fast pit crew, I think it's like maybe 12, 13, 14 seconds or something like <laughs> right. that. Yeah, it's something like crazy. Um, our pit crew is uh, more of kind of like probably at their best 16 seconds, uh, but usually about the 17 second point or so, which is for our series pretty good still. Um, right. it's, it's faster than a lot of the other pit crews. It's not faster than the best ones, but it's, we're, we're right there kind of like middle of the pack where we can, we do well enough to gain spots off of pit road, which is what you always want to do. You want to come in the pit lane um, in a certain position and you want your pit crew to be fast enough where you leave 
pit road, um, gaining a spot or two or three. Do you have a game plan on, I mean, outside of just, you know, win, <laughs> you know, do you have a game plan when he comes to your, to your race? Like, do you know, like how fast you're going to go? Um, you know, that, <laughs> that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's typically a game plan going in, you know, a little bit of strategy on, you know, kind of how you want to attack the race certain races we go to where you want to play more on the cautious side a little bit because, you know, it's a race that typically things get a little rowdy uh, throughout the race and you don't want to get caught up in that rowdiness. There's some races where, you know, Hey, it doesn't really get too rowdy here. So you got to be aggressive and you got to go for it immediately because there's no time to come back towards the end. Um, it, it all depends. And every race you, you might, you might predict the race might go a particular way and it doesn't, right? We went to Talladega where there's known to be a lot of wrecks at Talladega, right? It gets pretty crazy. We raced Talladega. We had, one caution i think throughout the whole race um it was like just everybody played calm the entire time is no one could have predicted that especially playoffs you know last super speedway race of the year mm-hmm. no one could have predicted that but that's how it was so um yeah you, you go into it with a certain game plan for each track depending on what it is but then you know the game plan just changes because racing is unpredictable you just don't know what's going to happen you know there's so many different variables that are that are in your control and in other people's control. There's so many more variables that are out of everybody's control. I have no clue if, you know, the person I'm going to be driving next to to start the race doesn't blow a tire lap three, right? I have no clue if that's going to happen. That's not in his control. It's not in my control. It's in nobody's control, but it can just happen. So um, there's so many um, variables that are unpredictable, which, you know, you'll go into a race with a certain game plan, but that game plan usually changes pretty quick. So, Deciding to hit the wall at the last lap and grind yourself down to fifth place. Is that a game plan? Part of the game plan? That is not part of the game plan. No <laughs> one could have predicted that. No one would have even thought that would work. He just went on a whim and just said, hey, you know, I tried it on a video game. Maybe it'll work in real life. And <laughs> it worked. Now, I don't know if that works, you know, 10 times out of 10, <laughs> but it worked that time. <laughs> that was, that's the most amazing thing I think I've ever, I've yeah. ever seen. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Um. So what is it like to lead that team? I mean, you said you have – I want to go back a little bit because you talked about um, Emmett Smith being um, part of your – part owner of your organization. And I just got to let you know officially that I'm a Bills fan. And so uh-huh. Emmett Smith made me cry a couple of years in a row. Uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I don't dislike the man. I yeah. just think he was playing for my team at that time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's it like having one of the greatest running backs ever in the NFL uh, being on your side every every weekend? It's been great. You know, having Emmett uh, be one of our co-owners on the team has been awesome. Uh, you know, he invested into this team, uh, wanted to be part of this deal, wanted to figure out ways to create this opportunity generating system where we have a team that has a platform. We can leverage this platform to do good for all and motivate people, inspire people, give people opportunities, you name it, uh, diversify motorsports, um, figure out ways to use this team in esports with our surrounding esports and also, um, you know, even on the STEM initiatives too as well. I mean, all these different things and veteran transitioning and all that stuff. I mean, this is all stuff we can do now that we have a team, stuff we couldn't do before when I was just driving for other teams, right? You know, if I'm driving for other teams, I can't tell them what to do with their program. But with ours, we can do whatever we want, right? So um, that was why it was very important for us to start our own thing. And it's been great having him on board, uh, being part of this team. You know, we meet yeah, pretty much each week. Um, I live, obviously, in California. He's in Dallas, Texas. And, you know, our other owners are spread out across the country as well. 
but we have Zoom meetings every single week. Um, we talk, we figure out, you know, what's the next step? You know, what are we doing to improve the team? What are we doing to leverage all the opportunities that we have? And what are we doing to continue to build this thing so that, you know, it's here forever? So um, having him on board, he has a lot of wisdom. He has a lot of business knowledge. He's a business guy. He's uh, into uh, real estate and um, real estate investing. And um, I'm learning a lot from him on, 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 in all different kind of ways. How, how do you see NASCAR um, becoming more diverse in, in its drivers and, and its fan base? Yeah, so um, diverse, you know, what it's going to take is really seeing more diverse drivers and people in NASCAR, right? The more we see more um, diversity in the industry, um, in the shops, in the pit crews, um, you know, uh, at the tracks, uh, drivers, you name it, all that stuff. Um, that's what's going to help out um, diversifying motorsports in, in general. Uh, NASCAR's, I think, been doing a pretty decent job the last few years. I think I've, I've started to see NASCAR diversify a lot more, especially over the last couple of years, um, and, and hopefully continues to go in that direction. But the more the more there the more that there's representation um, of a diverse culture in NASCAR, the more I think we'll be able to see the sport diversify. Uh, if you can see someone in it who looks like you, typically it'll help draw you towards it. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, I think it's important um, for not just for, for NASCAR, but uh, for, for everybody that we, we see that across the board in, in all, all sports and, and jobs and whatnot, because uh, it also allows us to see people um, as people. Right. You know, so I think that's, I think that's critical as well. Um, what are your goals for next year? So the goals for next year, um, you know, one of our goals is to have a two-car team going, two-car program, um, and build that out, um, continue to expand the team. That's one of the goals. Uh, but I would say kind of really overall goals is to, you know, build our program uh, up more from where it's at right now, right? We were able to finish the year 29th in points. The goal is to, you know, go into next year and be better than that. You know, finish the year in the top 25, top 20, top 15 in points, wherever we can get ourselves to. Um, you know, be able to expand our team some more, get more people and get more equipment, get more cars, um, uh, create more opportunities. Uh, and then also to utilize this platform to, um, you know, be part of different charitable initiatives, be part of different STEM initiatives, different esports programs, uh, uh, different veteran initiatives, you name it. Just be part of all that stuff more. We did a little bit this year. I want to do more next year. Those are kind of the goals that we've set um, and that we are setting right now. We just began our offseason. So, there's a ton of goals that still need to be set, but in my mind, those are some of the ones I think we should definitely focus on. Yeah, just for the record, everybody, his season just ended uh, this weekend. So. A few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, um, what's the season like for you? Like, I mean, is it what's the grind? It's a lot of grind. Um, you know, 33 weekends traveling. Uh, you're flying out to all these different races. You're traveling all over the place, all over the country. Uh, 33 race weekends at, at a lot of tracks that aren't near where I live. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a lot of traveling for sure. Three to four days a week I'm on the road um, in hotels, flying all over the place, you name it. Um, but uh, it, it, it's cool because it's it's definitely fun. It's, it never gets boring, right? There's, like, never a boring race day or race weekend. You're always going to some great places, meeting some great people, and um, just maximizing the opportunities of a lifetime, right? How many people wish they could have a NASCAR team or race on Saturday or Sunday or even Friday nights for the NASCAR truck series. Um, it's a 
blessing to be able to do it. So we just, you know, don't take that for granted. And then we do what we can to make sure that we're doing good with what we do have. What's your favorite racetrack? Favorite track? Um, man, I, I, like a lot, well, I like a lot of different tracks. I like Road America a lot. I like Daytona. I like Talladega. Um, Bristol's pretty cool. Martinsville is also a pretty fun place. Um, I like uh, Phoenix as well. Phoenix is also a, a really cool place. Um, just some of my more favorite. Texas Motor Speedway. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, those are probably some of my more favorite tracks. And what's like, is it, are those the most challenging ones too? Or, or like, or what's the uh, most challenging track? Some people, yeah, Road America can be challenging. Yeah, for sure. Um, Texas or Speedway is definitely a challenging one. Um, I would say, uh, all of them are challenging. There's no easy tracks. Uh, I mean, Daytona and Talladega, like to drive them like yourself is, is not hard, but um, to race in a pack and not get crashed out is <laughs> <it's> definitely <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, some of those. The speeds are, are are astronomical. I mean, 190 you know, plus miles per hour. I I get scared when I'm going like 110 in my car, or like when it goes, yeah. you know, like, oh my god, I'm going that fast. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, that's the fastest I've ever gone. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine being 200 miles an hour. Um, you know, I, okay. Last question here on on this. Um, and I'm just curious, who's like your favorite driver? The person that you look up to is say, um, you know. Like, even from back in the day, whatever. Who who's the person that you go? I yeah, um, you know Dale Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's also been, always been awesome. Um, you know, he's a guy who you know, even with all the fame, even with all everything that surrounded him, uh, you know, he always stayed pretty humble. Always stayed pretty um, down to earth. You know, he's the type of guy who will stop and take a picture with you, stop and talk with you. You name it. Like he's a true, you know, uh, fans driver. You know, people's driver. <laughs> And I always love that about him. And I always told myself, hey, I want to be like that right there. I want to make sure that I'm always good to people uh, because it all it, it comes back around. Who do you think, um, I would say in a way most talented, but who do you think was the most, I mean, outside of wins and stuff like this, that had like that raw talent of driving, the most driving instinct, I suppose? Um, I would say probably Kyle Busch. I think it's probably one of the, yeah, yeah. It's just really, really good. He can hop into any race series, any race car, and just do absolutely amazing. <laughs> so I would say he probably has one of the most talented, he's one of the most talented drivers out there. Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, how can people follow you? Cause I, I think, I mean, I want to see you driving on, on, uh, on Sundays, right? You know, so yeah, I, yeah. They can, people, uh, people, people can follow on social media. They can head to, um, you know, uh, my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it. Uh, they can look up my name, uh, Jesse, J-E-S-S-E. Uh, last name is I-W-U-J-I. Just look it up on any of the social media platforms. I'm on there. Follow, uh, like, share, subscribe, you name it, whatever, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always posting every single day, at least on Instagram, Facebook for sure. LinkedIn, usually each week on uh, Twitter every once in a while. Twitter is a really negative place. So I don't really like going there. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I'm not a big Twitter fan either. Yeah. I, I hope Elon <laughs> Musk does the whole $8 uh, subscription <laughs> thing or whatever. That'd be great because then you can get all the, the really wacky people off who, who are just there to troll. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Um. Yeah, it's it's funny when you talk about social media because it's a double-edged sword all the time, you know? Yeah. Hey, when do you think your car is going to be a uh, die-cast? Uh, we as soon as we try to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't. We we should. We just haven't. I mean, we've been so busy doing so many different things. Right. Um, yeah, we have a lot of beautiful 
uh, paint schemes that we've had for cars that yeah. uh, would be really nice for digest. Yeah, I've seen a few of them. You post them on LinkedIn, and there's some uh, pretty cool, cool looking cars. I do appreciate yeah. your time, Jesse. I know you got to go. Um, and any, any last words you want to say before we let you go? Um, you know, for those people out there who are going after big goals and dreams, like I mentioned before, it's not about having the most talent, having the most resources, or any of that stuff. It's about putting action towards it every day, having consistent faith um, the entire time, and and just you know, understanding that life rewards those who stay strong enough, long enough. So, you know, continue to push no matter what, just outlast everybody, outwill everybody, and you will get there. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse. God bless. Thank you.